Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. Well, here we are. We are in Second Peter, chapter two, and uh, again, like I said last week, I wish this was one of those touchy-feely kind of uh, passages, but you know what? We are uh, just walking through the passages, and I think there has never been a more timely um, topic, more timely subject than what Peter brings to us today. So let's pray and ask for God to work in this time. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you now, Lord, and as we read your scripture, Lord, we know that your word says that it will never turn, return null or void. So, Lord, we just claim that. We claim that for the next few minutes, Lord, that you will be able to reduce distractions and, Lord, people will be able to focus on the truth that we have in your word today. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, false teachers, if you didn't know this, false teachers are present in the world today. Peter identified them that he said this was a problem even in the early church. Folks, we must grow in our faith. That's what he talked about in the first chapter. We must grow in our faith. We also must grow in our understanding of God's Word. Because here's why. There are false teachers that are going to be trying to lead people astray. It is evil. It is sinister. And it is everywhere. And God will judge false teachers And he will rescue those who remain faithful to him. The important thing for you today, my friend, no matter whether you've been a Christian all your life or you're just new in it, your job today is to know the difference between good teaching, biblical teaching, and false teaching. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, and I may say this somewhere again today, it is not my job up here to point out the false teachers Today, I could give you some examples, but all I would be doing is giving you examples that meet the criteria that Peter says here. So my question is, is when there are false teachers, would you know the difference? How could you know that maybe even I could be a false teacher? Well, let's see what Peter says. Peter has been warning and prepping the church for today's passage There was a real and imminent threat of false teaching back then and still today. For many, the Bible is made out to be a proof text just for people can justify whatever sinful desire they don't want to give up. But you see, to many, people have used the term God's love to mean God will give you permission to do whatever you want and act however you want regardless of what he has said in his word. The authority of God's word right here, the authority saying this is what God said has been under attack and it's not been a war with missiles and guns, but it's been wars with apathy. It's been wars with criticism and it's been wars with just blatant disregard. You see, people want to remain in the grips of this terminal disease the Bible calls sin, yet they pretend that they're okay. And that everyone else has the problem. Many are flocking to teachers that will support them in their self-delusions. And there are many that will claim to do that just so they can 
get paid more so they can increase their popularity and increase the depth and the, the width of their platform. But Peter had just finished talking about the importance of growing your faith and knowing God's word in chapter 1. Now he is telling us why he was saying that. Peter shifts his words of instruction to a dire warning. The threat of false teachers is alive and well today, folks. The threat of false teachers, they are here. You can pick them up on the Internet. You can pick them up in local churches. You can pick them up everywhere you go. There are false teachers here. And how are you and I going to know the difference? And as I said earlier, whatever criteria I'm giving you, you can judge me by that as well. I'm not sitting here pointing my finger at everybody else. I'm saying this is the biblical standard for those that teach God's Word. Today I do not give out a list of false prophets. You and I can look to the Scriptures and be able to find out for ourselves. How, do you, how can you really tell who is a false teacher or not? I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it doesn't start with listening to as many podcasts as you can. It doesn't mean watching their Facebook feed. It doesn't mean watching their sermons online and trying to find out which one is better than the other one. The best way to identify false teachers is to study the real thing. Okay? So, verse 1, chapter 2. He's talking about the dangers of false teachers. He says, But there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies. That's the... Destructive heresies would be like deceptive and covert teachings. And even deny the master who brought them. That means that they will sound like they are saved. They will look like they are saved. They will act like they are saved. But he says in this way they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers... The way of truth will be slandered, and in their greed, they will be made up clever lies to get hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. First of all, he says in verse 1, there will be false teachers among you. I don't know about you, but I remember a time back when I was working at another church, and I was a youth pastor, and I was, I was there late, late, like like 11 o'clock or 1 o'clock in the morning, something like that. No one was around. And we had a a burglar alarm system. And so, you know, it would be nothing during the day to think, well, you know, there's people here, somebody accidentally chipped it off. But at 1 in the morning, you're not thinking that. So the alarm goes off, and my, my first thought is not, I must be a false one. My first thought is, is there a baseball bat in my office? (laughs) <laughs> what, can I defend my paper in a paper clip? I don't know what's going on. But the truth of the matter is, the, my surroundings alerted me. The alarm was sounded, and I took it seriously. And my friends, the alarm, Paul, Peter is sounding the alarm of false teachers, and everybody is just looking at it as a false alarm. Peter was not saying there may be false teachers among you. He was saying there are false teachers among you. And even Jesus told us that there would be false teachers among us 
in Matthew 24, 11, in Mark 13, 22. And there's three identifiers of false teachers that you can find in this passage. If you go back and read it, number one, there will be immoral leaders. There will be leaders that do not take a stand on morality as it is dictated in God's Word. They will say, I know what it says in God's Word, but this is what it means today. No, what it says in God's Word and it meant then is what it means today. But yet, immoral leaders will be the ones that will say, do as I say, but not as I do. They will fear rejection, so they will not stand on biblical principles. The truth of God's Word will make people uncomfortable. Look, I don't know about you, but when I go to my doctor's office, I am uncomfortable. Because I know I'm not going to want to hear what he has to say, but I know that the doctor is going to tell me something that is for my benefit. That is what the Bible does to us spiritually. There is a lot less resistance to a preacher when they are echoing the theology of a people that reject God's word. And the old worship, or excuse me, the Old Testament is filled with leaders that led Israel in depraved and sinful actions under the label of worship. There were even times where there were sexual acts committed in the temple because they thought that that would be part of the worship of their culture. It's a serious problem. So you have immoral leaders, then you have greedy leaders. Leaders who are money hungry, where money has become more important in their ministry than the message of the gospel. I think there are people that have started out well-intentioned, but when the money starts coming in and the, the private planes are bought and the buses are bought and the mansions are bought and all these other things are bought, then all of a sudden it becomes more complicated. They put the dollar bill before the gospel of Jesus Christ. Prosperity, health, and wealth gospel is their message. If your faith is strong enough, you will be rich. If you give me enough, you will be rich. If you pray enough, you won't be sick. And if you do get sick, your faith is not stronger. That is a sham. That is abhorrent to the gospel. I don't see anywhere where Jesus prospered while he was on earth. He was not Jesus the prospering servant. He was Jesus the suffering servant. Be careful of people that link your faith to your bank account. Now, I will say there's nothing wrong with saying if you honor God with your money, God will honor your money. But I'm not going to tell you you're going to be rich because of it. But I'll tell you this. If you give God your money, if you give God your health, you will be content with what you have because you will know everything that you have is what God has given you and not become some talking head on your computer or on your phone tells you if you send them $100, they'll give you a prayer cloth that they prayed over. But people do it every day. Every day. I remember uh, there's one uh, type of preacher like this that uh, I actually met a long time ago. And uh, at the time, his father was the head of the ministry, and he was just a low man on the totem pole. He ain't low anymore. His father passed away, and now he is the face of their movement. Not judging. I'm just saying, it was a machine. It was bound to happen. It was somebody going in to the next rung of whatever was opened by people attritioning out. So, 
You have immoral leaders, greedy leaders, and lying leaders. Folks, preaching the Bible for the purpose of conviction, confession, and repentance from sin is replaced by these preachers that preach messages that are designed for people to justify their sinful actions and for them to think that God's main goal is to be happy. Well, friends, i got to tell you, God's main goal for your life is not to be happy, it's to be holy. We must remember that we need forgiveness of our sins from Jesus, who lived a sinless life. He died a sinner's death, and he rose to live forever. Do you really think, I'm asking you, do you really think God would have sent his only son to die for you and your sins if he was going to give you a pass on them? For you to say that the is old and this doesn't matter anymore and you are saying that the blood of Jesus was spilled and it didn't need to be spilled because God is just giving us a pass on everything he said and if he does give us a pass on everything he says that means he is not God because he is not true to his word so people make God out to be a liar make his word out to be a liar so they can justify their sins you have leaders that will push that so they can get the money, they can get the accolades, and they can get the fame. And that happened back in Peter's day, and it happens today. On destructive heresies, it says they will cleverly teach destructive heresies. Folks, the devil wants you to think that living your life in opposition to God's word is not a sin. People call the Bible a book of outdated sayings. They don't think it's the authority or the, the ultimate Authority and morality. Well, then he says about the masters who brought them. I am a sucker for videos of celebrities impersonating celebrities. Do you like seeing that? There, like some some celebrities, they will star in a movie with somebody and they'll be doing a talk show interview and they will talk like that person. Everybody loves. It's funny because most of the time when they give impressions, then um, they they over exaggerate things and it's just funny. And those of you that are older, you remember Rich Little, he still makes a living doing impressions of other people. But when he says right here that these will be, uh, they will be disregarding the master who brought them, he's saying that these guys will look like Christian leaders. They will sound like Christian leaders, but they will not be Christian leaders. They will be people who appear to be saved. They will sound like believers saying the right things and acting like a believer would act, but they are just an exaggerated imitation of the true thing. If, you know, if you've ever been that person that's playing church but are so far from Christ, you feel it, you would be in that lump. Their teachings do not line up with God's Word. You see, far too often good men who teach lies do the most damage. I mean, think about it. What if our men and women... Our boys and, and young men, young women, go into the armed forces and the drill sergeants teach them, teach them the wrong way to fight. They're sealing their death right there. If they teach them the wrong way to do it and the people that are learning it, they don't know any different. So do you see the danger of people that are false teachers? And some of them, I would venture to say, don't even consider themselves false teachers, but they are things that are opposite of God's Word. It says many will follow their shameful teaching and immorality. Folks, false teachers 
will not seem evil. False teachers will be on the bestsellers list. False teachers will have large followings. Just because someone can get a large group to their church or a lot of people to buy their book does not mean that they are from God. Their teaching will make sexual immorality the centerpiece of their teaching and not the gospel of Jesus. If you don't believe me, Paul warns Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. He says, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound or wholesome doctrine. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Here's a life point for you. Every message a teacher shares must be filtered through God's word, his holy and inerrant word. Folks, if you are not reading God's word and you encounter a false teacher, how will you know when there is a threat? Look, I am grateful that you are here listening today. I take that very seriously. I'm grateful that we have friends that are watching by way of our stream. I am grateful for that. But my friends, I love you. But if all you're getting is one lesson a week for a few minutes, that's not enough biblical doctrine and instruction to be able to tell the difference between the two. And you are putting a lot of trust in me. And I get that. And I know that I am accountable to God for every word, every action that I do as an under-shepherd, as his shepherd for you. I take that very seriously. But I'm just telling you, at any moment, you should check me. I try to check myself. I try to check what other people are, are, are saying. But it's not about who preaches the best, who's got the best delivery, who's got the best muscles. Who wears the tightest jeans or the coolest shirts or has the coolest hairdo? How old they are, how young they are. It matters that they are preaching God's word. Then we see in verses 4 through 6, God does not look over our sin. He says, for God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them all into hell in gloomy pits of darkness. Some translations say in chains of gloom where they are being held until the day of judgment. And God did not spare the ancient world except For Noah, the seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment, so God protected Noah. Destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes, and he made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. Basically what Peter is doing here, he's giving them a list of three groups that God leveled because of their rebellion. They rebelled against God. God leveled them, wiped them out except for a faithful remnant to start over. He talks about the fallen angels. You know who what a fallen angel is right now? Oh, we can talk for several minutes about this right now because it's Halloween time. We can talk about demons and jack-o'-lanterns and all those kind of things. They're so cute. Fallen angel is not cute. A demon is not cute. You think, you think, oh, that old demon stuff, that's just stuff preachers say to scare you. No, they don't. Peter says right here that there are fallen angels that are incarcerated in what you would call hell right now. So that means that there are some that are incarcerated and then there are some that are roaming this earth. Yes, 
there are fallen angels among us. You call them fallen angels, it sounds special. You call them demons, it sounds like a kid thing or a spooky or something like that. But the truth of the matter is, folks, there is a world. If you don't believe me, read Ephesians 6. There is a world, spiritual realm right now, where if we could put on spiritual glasses and see what's going on right now, it would scare literally the hell out of us. Because that's what's happening around this church, in your hearts, in your minds right now. And we see that there are fallen angels that are using false teachers. Why is that? Because, again, Ephesians 6.12, we know that Satan cannot be everywhere all the time. That is why he relies on our fallen sinful nature and also the work of his fallen angels or his demons. You don't believe me? Jude 1 verse 6 says, And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of the authority of God. He gave them that authority, but they left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. This is not hyperbole. This is happening right now. We look at how he, used, he handled fallen angels. We look at how he used humanity with Noah. We look at how in Sodom and Gomorrah he wiped out an entire city because they could only find one righteous man in the whole city. And that was Lot. And there were many in these groups that were self-professed believers, but they gave no indication by their lives that they were. They would appear to be saved. But you know, Lot put up with a lot of criticism. I mean, as a matter of fact, if you go back and you read the story, you'll remember where every male, young and old, in the city came to his door wanting to have their way with some visitors that he had. He said, can't do that. You can't. These are my guests. Take my daughters. First of all, how's that any better? But he was under the gun. I mean, he, he was every day. He was the only faithful man. And he wasn't that, that faithful. Well, he was the most faithful. And God rewarded him with that by rescuing him. So what we see is we see that God wipes out, but he also saves remnants for his will to be done. So there is a lie and there is a truth here. Number one, the lie. God is a God of love, so God will save everyone who does more good than bad. I hear that a lot. People will say, well, you know what, especially as first responders or someone who, who, who serves our country, they will think, you know, if, if somebody just gives their lives and, as they are trying to save others, then they're obviously going to have a place in heaven. Where does it say that in there? There is nowhere in the Bible that says at the end of the day, if your good karma outweighs your bad karma, you're good. That is not what it says. That is a works-based faith. What it does say, it says that we must know Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. The truth is, the Lord is a God of wrath and a God of rescue. Look at 7 through 10. It says, but God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. So you see 
The Lord knows how to rescue God's people from their trials, even while the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. He is especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desire and who despise authority. Folks, God used Lot as a righteous man. And I don't know about you, but I'm sure Lot felt like I feel sometimes, and maybe you feel, that the immorality is being shoved in our faces. It's being legislated. We're being told that we have to to abide by things that are not the same in God's Word. We are told we need to accept things. It is in front of, it's on our TVs, it's on our phones, it's in our magazines, it's in our books, it's everywhere. We can't even buy toothpaste without seeing it. Those who strive to live righteously may not always be treated fairly when adhering to a biblical worldview, but will be treated fairly by God's judgment in the end days. That is our life point there. You may not feel like you're being treated fairly. I may feel like that I'm sick of it being shoved in my face, but my friends, because of what we see in God's Word, because of what Peter is telling us, and because of what we know about God, one day we will get our reward, and those that are opposed to God, they will get their reward as well. Like the old saying, do stupid, do, play stupid games, get stupid prizes. Right? Then we see 10 through 16, false teachers, they mock God. It says these people are proud and arrogant, daring even to scoff at supernatural beings without so much as trembling. But the angels, who are far greater in power and strength, do not dare bring from the Lord a charge of blasphemy against those supernatural beings. What is he talking about there? What he's saying is false teachers do not take demons seriously. They do not take God's judgment seriously. They do not take the fact seriously that they may be under the influence of a power that is not God. And you want to follow somebody like that? The false teachers were partaking in sinful activities during the worship or in the fellowship meal. Look at it in verse 13. Their destruction is their reward for the harm they have done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures. In broad daylight they disgrace and stain among you. They delight in deception even as they eat with your fellows in your fellowship meals. What that fellowship meal is, what we are about to partake of in just a minute. They were being sexually immoral during the middle of the Lord's Supper. They commit adultery with their eyes and their desires for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin and they are well trained in greed. Now, I am not a hunter, okay? I I know some of you are and God bless you. This is not something to to mess with hunters or people that are. But I mean, you know, I I know guys that they go out and they hunt deer, okay? Um, I hunt deer too. They just run out in front of me. Uh, (laughs) Hey, I got one this season. Right, but um, but you know, ma- making corn piles where the deer know to come eat it just so you can shoot them—it's kind of entrapment, right? <laughs> or you, you know, you got the turkeys and you make the turkey call. It sounds like to the guy turkey that the girl turkey is wanting to see the guy turkey, if you know what I mean. So the guy turkey says, "Oh boy, Thanksgiving's coming early," and then before you know it, pee yow, he is Thanksgiving dinner. 
He was tricked by something that, anyway, you know what I'm saying. I know there's sport to it, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not dissing it. Hey, you want, you want to hunt? That is fine. I mean, you prepare for your family. You, you provide for your family, and I'm sure in, in some ways it's fun. Uh, I never got to hunt because my dad would have lost his hearing if he ever shot a gun again. So back to the subject. There is no difference in false teachers promising and sprinkling things in front of their people saying, look, you are okay to stay in your sin. You are okay to live apart from what God says. You are okay. You are, everything is fine. Everybody else is just being too fuddy-duddy. You're okay. Just like luring them in until finally, boom, the hammer's going to fall and judgment's going to come. What side of the hammer are you going to be on? That's what false teachers are doing. Then he talks about Balaam. Balaam in uh, verses, uh, verse 15, 16. Balaam was a prophet that was hired by King Beor who wanted him to curse the people of Israel for money. He was a prophet for hire. If you want to read more about that, that's in Numbers 22. Matter of fact, he didn't want to do it, but the king begged him three times until finally... Balaam said, you know what, I'm going to do it. And so he goes and he's ready to curse the people of Israel. Then he meets a donkey in the fork in the road. And then that donkey started speaking to him. It's a pretty funny story. And then what we see here is that, that, that for Balaam, that uh, donkey was actually an angel of God. And he corrected him. And Balaam got the message and he never cursed Israel. So God spoke to him. He could have been a false teacher, but he turned around. And then we see in verses 17 through 22, false teachers are empty and useless. False teachers are empty and useless. I, I, I love the, the um, Easter egg hunt that we do here. I mean, it is amazing. And our, our, our volunteers, they put them everywhere. And the kids are, shoom, shoom, shoom. And they, they are finding... They're finding all kinds, even stuff that I've lost. They find, hey, what is this? But you want to talk about disappointment? Disappointment was in, there's a mistake, and a kid opens up an egg with nothing in it. That is what false teachers are. It says in verse 17, these people are as useless as dried up springs or as mists blown by the wind. They are doomed to blackest darkness. They brag about themselves with empty foolish boasting with an appeal to twisted sexual desires. They lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves to sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. If you are an underlining person, or you are a take-a-note person, or if you are a tweet person, or if you are a post-it or remember-this-later person, I would strongly recommend you write down, for you are a slave to whatever controls you. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. False teachers, what he's saying here, false teachers draw their followers into sin instead of helping them defeat it. False teachers draw their followers into sin instead of helping them to defeat it. 
false teachers here being described as dried up springs, or some translations say springs without water, or mist blown away by the winds, which means clouds without rain. They pretend to offer spiritual refreshment, but they really offer nothing. What they are offering you is an acceptance of sinful sexual immorality and selfishness, and they are touting that is what will save you. Just give in to what God is saving you from rather than diving in and letting the Holy Spirit work your salvation out. Why would, listen, if you're having trouble leaving sin, why would a teacher try to tell you that you can be delivered by sin by jumping back into it? Except now you can just give your offering and come to my services. Do you see how weird that sounds? And then 20 through 22. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. It would be better if they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and reject the command that they were given to live a holy life. They prove the truth of this proverb. A dog returns to its vomit, and others says a washed pig returns to the mud. I know that's not what you want to hear right before lunch, but people who follow false teachers are worse off. Peter is addressing those who hear the gospel and have been influenced by the church, but yet they reject the truth so they can return to their sin. If you want to read more about that, read about the parable of the four soils. Peter used the proverb of a dog to vomit and a pig in the mud. Both of those animals in Jewish culture were despised. This was seen as the nastiest picture you could paint with these two illustrations. It was the worst of the worst. But in the end, those believers who follow false teachers become like them in their lifestyles. They seek ultimately to satisfy their sinful desires above all else. My friends, if you or a loved one is following somebody that encourages you to lean into your sin, you better stray and run as fast as you can. Because here's the thing that when I read this, I deal with, I think of as a youth pastor, I saw many, many kids as a youth pastor, and even as a pastor, I've seen many people get so close to giving God their entire life and to surrendering to him, but they get right to that point And it's like, nope. And all of a sudden, the pool of the sin pulls them back. They start following people that encourage that, say it's not a big deal. And then before you know it, they're never back to that again. You realize statistically, the person that comes so close to Christ but then runs away is a lot, the statistic is a lot higher that they will never make that commitment. They've been right to the edge. They're about to jump off the high dive, and then they go the other way. And false teachers pray on those kind of people. So in conclusion, be aware of false teachers and be ready for rescue. Just like we saw with Noah's day. Just like we saw in Lot's day. Be ready. If you are the faithful few, be ready for rescue. And you know that the word that that you have heard and that you have read and that you believe will be true and that when God sends His Son, Jesus Christ, you will be vindicated Forever. Look, I hope that I last 
80 years or so. I mean, that would be nice. But you know what? In the grand, in the grand spectrum of eternity, 80 years is really not that long. False teachers, they will preach freedom while bringing slavery to sin. False teachers promise fulfillment, but they deliver emptiness. False teachers, their followers depend, are dependent upon them instead of Jesus. My friends, if you have a speaker that says, I'm the only one that can tell you, uh, I'm the only one that's telling you the truth out here, and you can believe me, everybody else has got it wrong, you better run, my friends. False teachers elevate themselves. True teachers elevate Jesus. False teachers promise eternal life, but they only bring God's judgment. True believers, be prepared for your rescue when God judges false teachers at the second coming of Jesus. Because God will judge false teachers and rescue those who are faithful to him. Make sure you know the difference. Make sure you know the difference. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word today. And as we go into our Lord's Supper time, Lord, uh, this is a time where we as a church can identify with you, Lord. But Lord, if there is a, a single person that that does not know you or they're struggling with scriptures, they, they feel like that they've been led astray, Lord. May they come to know you today, Lord. Not by drinking some grape juice or eating a cracker, but praying, God, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and help me to walk for you. Maybe there's a believer here that say, you know what? I could be easy pickings to a false teacher with my biblical knowledge. I make a commitment today to change that. The commitment time will be this, that as you leave this place, you will do it. But if there's someone that needs to know you, God, as your Savior and Lord, and they want to pray with me or one of our other leaders, then we're not going to leave until everybody goes. But right now, we're going to celebrate you and your son for what he did for us through his sacrifice as we show our love to you by observing the Lord's Supper. Man, would you come forward?